So I've received what I think might be my favorite piece of hate mail. Ooh. Ever. That's a now, bold statement. Yeah. Now, don't don't get your hopes up. It's my favorite for a reason. For everyone else, it won't be their favorite. It's not top tier, but it's baffling. It is baffling. Um, so it's two separate posts in my Instagram messages. Same person. Um, can't tell how far they are apart. I hope it was like an hour and a half. It would be <laughs> perfect. Right. Um, so it goes like this. <clears throat> Were you the one who made hypocrites hate the industrial phases based on the discovery of oil in Sega's Sonic games like Sonic 2 Oil Ocean, Sonic 4 Episode 2 Desert, Sonic XG Chaos Central? <laughs> Hang on. What? Wait a minute. What? Wait. <laughs> what? <laughs> can you, right, can I, I'm, I'm going to have to ask you to read that first sentence one more time for me. Yeah. Yes, 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 uh, gladly. <clears throat> Were you the one who made hypocrites hate the industrial phases based on the discovery of oil in Sega's Sonic games like Sonic 2 Oil Ocean, Sonic 4 Episode 2 Desert, Sonic XG Chaos Central? Now, as I read it again, I realize one of the issues is... I don't know where the inflection goes in any of this. Right, yeah. yeah. So uh, my my best guess from the outside is what they're trying to say is, are you the reason people don't like industrial yeah. levels in Sonic games? But they felt the need to explain what they meant by an industrial level, like the ones based on oil. You need oil production to make an industrial level. Those, yeah. those level types. But it could be in case that. you don't know the word industrial. Like, it could be advanced world building or... It, because another way to read it is the discovery of oil as if, like, I'd been playing Oil Ocean Zone in Sonic 2 for, like, 40 fucking years and suddenly went, hang on a minute. <laughs> That's well, black gold! Like, fucking... The mention of the oil specifically, like, would lead me to think that it's some sort of extractive industry thing, like you're just against the oil industry and it would have been fine otherwise? Yeah, I mean, that could be another thing. Like, there's no indication that the industrial phases are the ones in the Sonic world, or our ones. Like, right. am I making people hate industry? Like, just industry. I, I I hope you're making people hate industry. The and... Industrial Revolution. Yeah, and the oil industry in particular. That's a good thing to make people hate. Yeah. I encourage hating those. Second message. <laughs> I hate you, I hate you for what you did to the Scott Cawthon Chipper and Sons Lumber Company game. What? Acknowledge that the person, who, the person who's making it has some bad opinions. Well, here's the thing. You see, Five Nights at Freddy's fans... And you know Scott Cawthon simps yeah, and stuff yeah. have always hated me. Oh yeah, long before I was blamed ridiculously with running him out of the industry. Yeah, if anything, yeah. they owe you. <laughs> well, that's the thing. The other side of it, because you know there are people that hate me for that. Loads of them. There are Scott Cawthon fans and people pretending to be Scott Cawthon fans, like all, yeah. all, always attacking me for that. It constantly comes up. The other ones who hated me years before any of that shit, they hate me for what I said about Chipper and Sons Lumber Company and hurting his feelings. Even <laughs> though it led to the game that led them to know who he is, it led to the game that, like, you know, my video is a 
big inspiration. Not the only one, but it's a big inspiration for what Cawthon did. He has said it. Well, what what about this, though, Steph? What if the problem is that person looks at uh, Chipper and Sons and is like, Five Nights at Freddy's, fucking shit. I want that earlier version that was bad. Give me that one back. Why did you make it go in a different direction? That was what I wanted. That is the other potential interpretation, because I shared it on the the Trash Palace Discord, and, and it was pointed out that they were like, so do they hate you? Because it led to Five Nights at Freddy's. Because there's <laughs> that too. They're... It's why I always like say that the internet credits slash blames me for making and breaking Scott Cawthon. Both cases, very overstated. Mm-hmm. But there is, there's more truth to the first one. Because, you know, I talked to Scott at one point about it. Like, I know that, like, he acknowledges that my video was an inspiration and I am what was one of a tiny handful of videos that would have ever covered it because I was doing the really obscure uh steam greenlight shit that's how I I covered it very few were doing it at the time and I don't think anyone with a platform bigger than me back then were doing it so yeah I I am endlessly delighted that I am credited slash blamed for both of those things even though it is like yeah people take it to the extreme especially the breaking bit like if my video which just pointed out the harm of the actions not really attacked him or character assassinated him i described what he had done with the funding and what that leads to and then you know scott did take his ball go home but there was a lot of criticism from a lot of people like a lot more than you know the other side with chipper and sons but i have people every few months Possibly more. I don't see it. I don't check a lot of social media these days. But I regularly get this kind of shit. I hate you for what you did to Scott. And I'm like, what? Look, there is another Scott on the internet already making claims about shit I've done to him. I don't need two Scots. I'll have to call him Scotty1 and Scotty2, hottie. You could piss off the creator of Dilbert and go for the hat trick. (laughs) Ooh. I mean, just existing, you piss off... uh, Fucking, what is it, Scott 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 Adams, Adams, isn't it? Yeah. 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 What doesn't piss Scott Adams off? Maybe this guy's just a Christian. You know? Like, it all just reads Christian to me. He's upset that, you know, Scott Cawthon's, you know, family-friendly, very, you know, positive game didn't wind up being the path that Cawthon went down for the length Mm -hmm. of his career. Five Nights at Freddy's was a direction, a path that went away from the light for them. And you can tell that they're a Christian because of how often they say they hate you. <laughs> yeah. Does that make me Lucifer? <laughs> Does that make me the the devil? When I posted, because obviously I posted it on like Blue Sky and shit, um, and several people were like, oh, it's just a, a boring Scott. Like it was weird at first, but the Scott Cawthon stuff, it's boring, like block and move on, not worth it. But it's my favourite bit. My favourite bit is the boring, dreary, oh god, it's this again. Because the first one is baffling and the most, possibly the most unique and confusing hate mail I've ever received in my life. And I love that, like, maybe an hour later he thought of a real one and had to come back. Um... (laughs) Really fucking furious this time. Still completely fucking, like, wild and unhinged. But, like, righteously angry. Um, yeah, it's just a... a God, I... 
I sometimes try and imagine what they're like in real life, and I can't. By comparison, I I got the internet upset this 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 week for a far more banal reason. I had some weird little transphobia popping up this week, and I was like, I'm just curious where this has come from. It's not like you know bothering me, but I want I'm, I'm curious what's happened. Yeah, a certain corner of the internet decided that the book I wrote a few years ago, Things I Learned from Mario's Butt, is responsible (laughs) for the trend of any time a video game character has a butt and there's a news story about it and everyone talks about the video game character butt. They decided that didn't happen before my book, and my book is the reason that that happens, and they're very annoyed. Oh, oh, old Snake's butt's a bit smaller in this thing he's been ported into. Laura's fucking book's the reason everyone keeps... She made that a meme. Um, Apparently I've wound people people up because a few years ago I wrote the book on video game character butts. Congratulations, Laura. Congratulations. I'm glad that I wrote personally every news story about a video game character butt ever since then. (laughs) This is the CD slideshow wrestler in me talking, but like, this is what's so good about these kinds of claims, like Five Nights at Freddy's or, or the butts. You can now say that like, it's said that I have led the charge of like, butt themed discussion. You just have to muddy it a bit. Exactly. And then the credit is all yours. I mean, look, anytime someone says, like, you know, Snake's butt is smaller in this video game he's been ported into, I can go, yeah, I observed that and put it in a book. I have a whole chapter of a book about this progression, you know, years ago. You're, you're late to the party work, working out that this is a trend that happens. Go read some some academic literature, my friend. Fuck yeah, just just take take the little bits of truth that it's people have said it, then blow it up. To, to inflate your legend until you forget what's real and what's not. And then you've become Terry Bolea, the Hulk Hogan. <laughs> well, you know what is real? What is Podquisition, real? Podquisition, the oh. thing where we come and play talk about video games that we've played sometimes. I'm uh-huh. glad you said Podquisition was real and not video games, because I would have <laughs> just refuted I, that immediately. I, look, I was about to say they were real. And... Yeah. I'll tell you what, they're a real piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> fucking video games I hate fucking them video, I hate fucking video them. games indeed like it's not even a joke who's <laughs> <laughs> played a video game this week I've played, played a couple I love them, them. I've played a few what have uh, you played uh, I'll, I'll start with one then why not um I'll get this one out of the way because I can talk about this nice and quick uh, 90 hours in I have finished Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth and that is a fucking good video game I was consistently impressed my whole way through that game at how densely packed with content it was, how densely packed with mechanically and narratively unique things to be doing. I was consistently impressed at how well it walked the line between very silly and very serious, often in the same scenes. I was absolutely blown away by the scope of this game. I really thought I had a handle on how big this game was in terms of, like, the physical map, and the number of party members, and the scope of my objectives. And then at one point it just split in two, and it's like, okay, yeah, there's double the things going on now, go. Hmm. I got really fucking into the Pokemon knockoff in this game. I spent, like, ten hours, like, before the end of my playthrough, going through and getting a full Pokedex of all 150 strange men you can find in the world to get on your (laughs) fighting team. Such amazing fighters as guy trapped inside a big beach ball, or man with a knife, or guy with a pig mask on and a big hammer, or 
person trapped in a sleeping bag they can't get out of. And when Brilliant. they evolve like a Pokemon, they just put other sleeping bags on top of the sleeping <laughs> bag to level up. <laughs> <laughs> and my fa- my favorite thing about those ones is that the Pokedex text for them gets more ominous with every evolution. The first time it's like, oh yeah, the sleeping bag he's trapped in because the zipper got stuck. And by the final evolution, it's like, ah yes, the sleeping bag he's wearing that foretells the doom of all mankind. Fucking hell. This game is ridiculous. It's nonsense. I've got a couple of like little quibbles about it and like, the fact that these are my big complaints should give you a sense of how I feel about this. The very final boss of the game was a little bit of a difficulty spike. It was at the end of a dungeon, and to go and grind levels I had to like revert to a save before the dungeon, grind for a little bit, and come back and redo the dungeon. Which was like, I would grumble more about it if not for the fact that I really did not feel I had to level grind at all during the rest of the game. The level curve was very well balanced for... I'm going and doing all the silly side content, I am perfectly leveled for what the game wants me to be at. So I don't mind that that much. The only real advice I would give to anyone who's picking this up is there are two points of no return in this game. There is a point of no return for two different locations. Make sure you do all the stuff you want to do to like upgrade weapons and things for the second party party of characters before finishing the first party's adventure. Because... You might get into a situation like I did, where the second party, you're going to go do the second finale. You want to go like, oh, I need a little bit of extra damage output or something for that final boss. I'll go craft my character's ultimate weapon. Oh, the base material I need for that is in a shop in the first area I can't go back to now. So before you do the first finale, have your party prepped for the second finale. That's my biggest complaints. It's a couple of little quibbles about like the the very end pacing of the last little bit. But it was 90 hours of very heartfelt, dramatic, very silly RPG nonsense. Um I'm very impressed at how well that game has done at making things that were definitely rooted in the the original sort of brawling fighting ones with Kiryu made them feel really, really at home in the RPG mechanics, and, if anything, feel better implemented in the RPG. Um, Things like being able to do, like, heat actions and use environmental objects to do damage on enemies is so much better telegraphed in a game where you can take a second to position yourself and check that there's an icon showing that says, yes, you will interact with this item. It feels way more fast-paced than so many RPGs, because of the way that it handles movement and dynamism uh, during during turns and keeps that sort of pace up. God, I love this game, and I really hope we get another RPG in this series. I hope we get to revisit Hawaii, because they've done a fantastic job with that setting. And if there's never another Yakuza game that has Kiryu in it, I think this was a great way to send off that character if this is where they they send him off. I think they do a good job of establishing if they wanted a new, different protagonist to continue the sort of real-time brawling Yakuza games, I think they offer a compelling option of who that could be. Damn, it's a good game. I'm glad to hear it. I played through 90 hours in like two weeks, and I'm currently replaying it on stream, and there's a little bit of me that's going, I could start a new game plus save. I could do that. I really fucking like it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Infinite Wealth, I am a big I am a big fan of that game. There is one character in it that I want to have some conversations at some point, spoilery, about 
some choices made, but generally speaking, I I think they knocked it out of the park. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Steph? What have you been playing this week? Helldivers Two. Oh boy. Oh, I dip. I dipped my toes into this. It's. Um, I tell you what. Uh, when, when it works, I've been enjoying it quite a bit. Yeah. When it works. Yeah. Like I've got some thoughts about the perspective shift from a more top down to a more like more traditional third person shooter and where that can be a good thing and where it's not so good. I've got obviously thoughts about the some of the grindier elements and the mm. uh, microtransactions. But my god, the fucking online has been a yeah. fucking shit disaster. There's a reason I say I've only dipped my toes in. Most <laughs> of my experience with this game has been trying to play it and not being able to play it. I've played a little bit of it, but very little. Yeah. Fun fact, apparently one of the problems with matchmaking was if you had too many friends on your friend list. Oh, God. I'm fucked. Yeah, apparently that was a bug, but it's been fixed now. So that might have cleared up <laughs> some of the problems. Is it, it, The game didn't like if you had too many friends. Years ago, when uh, the PlayStation Network like uh, launched... Well, not the network specifically, but like it was maybe the PS4 generation mm. and it had sort of more exploded and stuff. I opened up my friends list to everyone on, I think, NeoGAF. Oh, God. <laughs> this was back when NeoGAF was a lot more of a safer place. Yeah. This would have been just before like Gamergate and shit dropped or, or just mm. after, just after maybe. And I'd been posting on there a bit, and it turned, like, for a while, it was the only place you could really sort of talk without getting dogpiled and shit. It's changed a lot since then, certainly judging by how they speak about myself. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's a shame. But I did open it up, and after a while, I was like, well, just let's just fill out the friends list. Let's just hit Mm. max. And I did. And over the years occasionally thought, God, I've got to clear that out. And then just not. Obviously not. Um, I'm never going to do it. Because I'm never going to, like, remember to do it yeah. when I'm bothered to do it, even if I've got a controller in my hand and I'm looking at it. Because I'll be like, yeah. oh, I'm going to have to, like, go through all these and delete and shit. Like, <laughs> I leave the friends re- requests on the Switch. Like, that's so backed up because you've got to manually, like... Because I don't know who mm. anyone is who's doing it. <laughs> like... <laughs> so yeah, after a few years, I'm like, I'll fucking delete that because no one's had a go at me. Now it's a shame, but but the last time I tried playing it, because I I was pretty like dogged because I loved the first Helldivers. Um, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, where it was like I was trying to adjust to some of the friendly fire, friendly fire elements and stuff, which is a little less obvious here, possibly because of the perspective shift. Mm-hmm. But it does happen a lot. I have been, like, cut in half by my own sentries so many times, sometimes trying to run round it because I just was panicking and didn't think to dive or duck. And it's just, tr- like, following me behind because the bugs are just, like, doing the same. There's a lot of fun in the game when you actually can get in it, but the last time I played it, which I think was post the most recent patch, the frame rate on my end dipped so badly that it mm. was it was beyond belief. The only time I've seen worse frame rates, there was one free-to-play game. I can't remember what it was called. I did a video on it that was just called, Oh God, Don't Fucking Get Such and Such Game. And it was like one frame every like several seconds. This one isn't that bad, but it's fucking atrocious. Like... Migraine-inducing, shuddering, mm. 
it can only be like a couple frames a second. <laughs> like it's so bad. And that was my last experience. I was hosting the game. I felt terrible and I tried to stick it out, but I was no help because the inputs were lagging. So I couldn't do those like little Konami codes to get the Argos catalog like coming down. <laughs> but unfortunately, it's been a lot of that. It's been a lot of crashing. And, you know, that you can mm. be you can be in a mission for like 20, uh, well, up, up yeah. to an over 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. And I've had many cases where the game has crashed. Or there was that one where it like lagged to the point of unplayability, and and it's such a waste of time, and the game is so grindy, so yeah. that if you're in a game and you've like gotten a whole bunch of rare fucking samples, they are wildly grindy. That's intense, and it's not even monetized. It's just fucking wild. It's possibly to drag out the fact that there seem to be less, and certainly less varied stratagems and and unlocks and things this time around. There was like a healing gun thing in the first one. And vehicles. I haven't seen those yet, but it might be because I can't get far enough. But I haven't seen anywhere in any of the menus that indicates. Um, and there is a lot of walking and standing doing nothing when you're actually in a mission. But yeah, the amount of times I've tried to get into a game. Sunday night, I think it was, the servers just were, were just down. You just couldn't yeah. connect. The game is horrible to play on your own it's horrible it's not fun because you're just as overwhelmed but you don't have any backup like the first one was at least playable in single play it was not easy like it was absolutely built for playing in a team but you could develop strategies to yeah. play that single player and get very far i wouldn't say i got very far but i i was beating level solo in the end because i was just getting pissed off but yeah. it was it was so tedious. Everything is four times slower mm -hmm. because you you have to keep like doubling back, navigating around, running backwards, yep. navigating around. It takes so long, and I hate it. It's not unplayable. It's more like like who'd want to play it like that? That's a shame. I really liked that first game. Mm -hmm. I'm not an online guy. I I liked playing Helldivers single player. I think it had couch co-op as an option, and that's not going to be feasible with what they're doing here, I don't think, and that's a shame. But so it goes, I guess. I mean, I felt the same way about Risk of Rain. Like, I, I didn't see why they would want to shift perspective like this. Yeah, it gives it less identity. Right? It looks less... There was something... And maybe it wasn't what they were going for and they feel they fixed it, but there was something a bit adorable about the first Helldivers. Everything looked a little, like, toy-like. Mm -hmm. And I liked that. And it was very satisfying, as it often is in games like that, to sort of see the waves of enemies sort of burst and stuff as you, like, take them out. And there is still some satisfaction in, like, being close enough and just sort of seeing all the damage appear on these bugs and things and robots in real time. A uh, little bit sort of um, metal arms glitching the system, which I always liked. So seeing that up close, and the other thing that the new perspective adds is it really gives it a sort of war is hell vibe. Mm. When explosions are going off everywhere and you are surrounded and there's all this like murky steam that's obscuring vision except like silhouettes are coming out of it and stuff. At times when it all goes to shit and you're running around panicking, still while like trying to avoid ordnance and not being cut down by, by gunfire and shit, like... At times it really is like, holy shit, like, this gets across 
how fucking traumatizing a war situation must be more than a serious game about war. Mm-hmm. Call of Duty couldn't hope to match the the panic inducing chaos of that kind of thing. Well, nor would it want to. I mean, the point of Call of Duty is to make you feel powerful and make the military seem good. So, well, <laughs> you know those those scenes they put in to try and. Yeah. Evoke that feeling. You know, it's partially incidental because you're you're fighting giant bugs, and it's basically an unofficial Starship Troopers game, right? With all of the the parody, they still say they said it in the first game. They still say it in here. How about a cup of liberty? And oh. it's still good. Every time I hear it, I I just nod and I'm like, still good. Mm-hmm. I still I still love hearing it. And you know, I love uh, Starship Troopers. Like, Paul Verhoeven's stuff is very much, like, my kind of thing. So, having... I had somehow been unaware, though. Echo told me that there is an official Starship Troopers game coming out. So, yeah. Hmm. I mean, I guess... I don't know how that'll work, since, like, there was such a void of it, and Helldivers was like, we'll we'll do it. Um, but we'll see. I'll definitely play it. Fucking love the bug designs in the movie. Yeah, they're really good. Those big clawy things, they're so good. Oh, I love the brain bug too. The brain bug's great. What a yes. cool design. All of them, because they've got some other, the beetly one, not so, like, because yeah. it's just not very original. God, I've got to, I've got to rewatch that. Yeah. I might do that tonight. I've not watched it in so, I don't think I've watched it since I was, like, way younger. You're doing um, your part. Doing your part. God, the, the thing with the kind of cattle proddy thing that they censor and mm-hmm. what's his face oh, i can never remember his names from total recall and the the, uh, oh, the uh, sinister looking man michael ironside yeah oh, of course oh yes he's so good uh, as as known from highlander 2 <laughs> <laughs> yes so yes helldivers 2 the problem is is those little moments where it's like holy fuck like being that close to the action is like panic inducing and kind of like obviously for a video game exhilarating as opposed to traumatizing Mm -hmm. but those moments are are not consistent whereas the top-down perspective was consistently cute and endearing it loses some personality in that it's also more boring like it feels longer to get to the objectives and i don't know if that's just because of the perspective creating a feeling of that or if they've just stretched them out but you are spending so much time just running. There was an arcadey sensibility in the original one that, you know, it, it, it wasn't quite like a coin-op, but it would is the sort of game that you could feel would be at home in a cabinet with, you know, four controller inputs on it and mm. everybody playing it there. And this, you know, switching to the third person like that, I mean, that's just, that's straight up a console experience. There's no context for that. It's... You know, it, it it doesn't hit the same way for me when I see something yeah. of that nature. The other thing is, is I think I've unlocked hard difficulty and I've been playing on hard. And I don't know if this is going to change if we get to the more extreme difficulties. But like some of these missions, if it's by design or a mistake, who knows? But bugs are not appearing during things you're waiting for, waiting a long, long time for. The worst one being launching the missile, which you've just got to wait for it to very slowly we're talking minutes and minutes fuel up and then very slowly come out the ground before launching and every time i've done that objective there are no bugs oh they just they're just not there the one time this game doesn't have bugs 
<laughs> I mean that, yeah, the fucking <laughs> the review quips write themselves. I'm gonna fucking relish in that. Um, but yeah, it's I don't know what all that downtime is for. It's weird. The other thing, uh, just to round it out, is aside from the stratagems feeling far less exciting because they seem so a lot more similar to each other and a lot less of the more interesting things. Because, you know, they're making cosmetics a big thing and they've got the microtransactions for it with a fucking rotating shop, the armor feels way less distinctive than it did. And this happened with, like, the the most famous example for me would be um, uh, Shadow of War, the, um, the Mordor sequel, where the orcs that felt super original and unique in the first game were reduced to loot drops, you know, before all the big patches and stuff. They felt so much more homogenous and, and their traits appeared so much more often that they meant so little. And there's a bit of that here. And they've also made the designs more varied. And that's a weird thing to complain about in cosmetics, especially, you know, I love costume changes and weird fucking costumes and things in games. But it goes back to that having a lot of character that the first game had. Most of the, the armor was that black and yellow and looked a bit chunky, and they had sort of similar helmets, and it was like, there were variations within it, and some like pretty cool looking stuff, but it was all built off that basic style. You felt like you were part of this unit, you, you felt like this Helldiver thing, part of a force. I, again, had that sort of Starship Troopers thing to it. Whereas this one, there are some like cute little designs, like little helmets and stuff, but some of them just like, they don't look like Helldiver helmets. Which is silly, because it's not like I'm a purist about Helldiver. But there was just something so appealing about these, like, chunky little helmets in the first one. Sort of like a cross between a Manta Man or a, or a Lego Man and a Warhammer Space Marine. I really like that. And this one, it's... They just all look a bit Stormtroopery or Space marine And mm. they're all very sort of different. And they're all, like all sorts of different colors and stuff you know there's a black and red one there's one like dressed up like a like a medic which got me excited a bit and i was like oh i'm gonna unlock that because even though it doesn't really look like a fucking hell diver it's a medic-y thing and i'll be able to have fun with that when i unlock the healing stuff which again i've not seen um so i just felt like a fraud and took it off and that's my review <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Made me feel uh, like a fraud out of ten. <laughs> what about you, comrade? You've been playing anything this week? Um, I have played a few things. Monday night on my stream, I played a horror adventure game, I guess you'd call it. It's one of those first person ex you know, horror games. Mm. Um it called Mouthwashing. Oh This was uh in Steam's Next Fest. I saw you playing a bit of this. Yeah. I think you showed up, like, just in the last couple minutes of it, uh, of mm. the demo at any rate. You are a crew on a deep space, uh, like, commercial transit mission, traveling a year in deep space to make a delivery for, you know, I think I think they use the Pony Express as, as the company name for this, if I'm remembering correctly. And something goes wrong and your ship crashes. The game does a bit of jumping about in the timeline to keep the mystery of what happened a mystery. 
and so the demo has you already on crashed wherever you are um shortly after a brief introduction and there's a, a little quest of going to open up the cargo hold to get access to what's in there and you know it's 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 a first person horror adventure game it does a lot of those kind of tropes um unreliable environment navigation is a a part of it um haven't seen any jump scares which i'm always grateful for because i don't find them scary i just find them annoying most of the time yeah. so there's that there's some really creepy character designs there is one character who has been pretty grievously injured in the crash and they are all bandaged up and have one exposed eye and it's quite unsettling i like that i like the general tone i think the writing's pretty good there's definitely a not wayland yutani vibe necessarily because that's very specific in terms of these evil motherfuckers this is more generic evil corporation but i like it i like that the they've got some cool motivational posters with a creepy cartoon character that of course shows up being creepy it's disorienting it's pretty good the demo's about 40 minutes cost you nothing to check it out on steam and i would recommend giving it a shot if the sort of uh, low graphical fidelity first-person horror is your jam. It's it's pretty neat. It's not actively intense in terms of any sort of needing to run from shit or, or stuff like that. It's just creeping dread and what the fuck. And I'm looking forward to seeing the full game when it comes out. So, yeah, mouthwashing. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh... I've got one I want to talk about a little bit. I've not got a huge amount to say because I I played a demo a little while back and literally like two hours before recording today the final the actual game went into early access and I've been I've been playing that. But uh Deep Rock Galactic Survivors is oh. out in early access, mm. which I talked about this a little while ago. It is based on Deep Rock Galactic, which is a game where you're a bunch of dwarves doing sort of co-op go fight all the little bugs and things and get all your little mining resources and get out alive. This is a top-down, 3D character-modeled vampire survivors type game. Each time you jump into a playthrough, you go into a particular environment or biome type, and you're trying to clear, like, five floors and a boss at the bottom, and then you have options to, like, ramp the difficulty up and go to other places and sort of keep going. Structurally, what you're doing in each of the floors you get dropped into is, initially... You have a bunch of resources to be mining throughout the level that will be your permanent upgrade resources, and a bunch of enemies to be fighting. You can have at most four weapons at a time on your build, but you can't get all four weapons for your build straight away. They are limited by how many times you've leveled up. You are gated a little bit in the pace at which you can sort of build up your supply of weapons. Uh, Most of your other level ups are upgrades for the specific weapons you've already got. Things that I really like early on. I like that you can be mining and shooting at the same time, that those two activities aren't mutually exclusive. Mm -hmm. A lot of the weapon types automate aiming fire, much like something like Vampire Survivors, uh, but you have have a couple of weapons that have, like, fire in four directions or uh, things like that, but a lot of them are more specifically fire at the nearest enemy, fire at the enemy with the most HP. 
And there are ways to tweak the targets of what something aims at. So let's say you you like the, the firing pattern of like, oh, I like this weapon that fires in four directions, but I wish it was a bit stronger. Sometimes on level ups, you'll get offered overclocks, which are basically, here's a big bonus to this weapon, but you will be trading something off. So for the weapon that fires in four directions, maybe it offers you an overclock where it now only fires in three directions, but it fires much more powerfully in those three directions. Something to that effect. Or you lose a bit of rate of fire, but now you're doing lightning damage and that will sort of arc between enemies. And generally that is doing a pretty good job from what I've seen so far of making builds feel unique, even with a limited number of weapons you can have equipped at a time. Each floor that you descend through also, not initially, but once you unlock it, starts getting secondary side objectives, which will allow you to get a lot of bonus material for buying things between levels and your sort of permanent overall upgrades. Those might be things like mine a certain amount of a specific material in this level, or go find a bunch of weird-looking mushrooms around the level, stuff like that. One thing that's different from the demo that I really like that this is doing is every level, at some point uh, during the level, a supply drop will drop in, and it will usually have like character upgrades that are things like, any time you mine this mineral that it, that gets you health, it'll increase your max health as well as healing you, or any time you mine gold, gain bonus experience for leveling up, or something like that. But when these these drop in, they will have like a circle around them that needs to be cleared, so sometimes they'll drop in and you'll have to go mine a bunch of rock away to have a clear circle around them so that they can deploy, and then stand near them for a few seconds to open them up. Meaning that you can't necessarily do the constantly running and backing away, you have to hunker down in a spot if you want to get those pretty significant upgrades. I like that as I've gone through the first couple of hours of this game, I've unlocked some characters that have felt significantly different in how their, their default weapons work. I just unlocked the gunner, who has a very powerful, like, fast rate of fire machine gun, but it's one of the few characters that only fires in front of it where it's heading. Sort of like the, the knife throwing one in, in Vampire Survivors. So you're having to sort of stop and turn around to face what you want to hit, which is a bigger deal in Deep Rock Survivors, because you want to be facing the rock that you are either trying to dig a tunnel through to get away from approaching enemies or mining materials or something. It very much does split your attention if you have to turn away from the rock face, which, you know, gives that character a good, distinct feel. Yeah, I really like this. I was dubious initially of, of a 3D character-modelled game in this kind of genre. It works really well. They've done a very good job of making it. It runs well on Steam Deck. It looks visually distinct enough that it's easy to follow what's going on. I very much enjoy that there's explosive enemies that will sometimes set off explosions with other explosive enemies and set off very satisfying little chain reactions. It's just entered early access, um, and right now I think there's like, from what I've seen, four characters and three maps. I have a reasonable degree of faith in this getting long-term support, just from the fact that, as someone that's played a lot of the original Deep Rock Galactic, that game is still getting, like, multiple times a year, very big free content updates, very regularly added to it. And I know that's no guarantee for this, you know, spin-off. I'm more willing to trust that this will get ongoing content than I would be with a lot of games. But yeah, very promising first couple of hours. I am very into it, and I think, I think it is really, really, really worth checking out. What about you, Steph? You played anything else this week? Yes. I have played Banishers, a little bit of that. That's a don't nod game, Focus Home Interactive published. 
You know the kind. Mm-hmm. It's exactly like one of them, and that's not really a bad thing. It's fine. Yeah, it's it's. I'm, I'm happy to have that. It is about these ghost banishers who banish ghosts. When you know they come to this town in sort of newly settled America. Because a lot of the games these people put out seem to love, like, colonization and shit. But, like, withered crops and curses and shit have happened. So they turn up, there's some, like, evil ghost doing some shit, kills one of them who comes back as a ghost, and so you can press a button to switch between them, and they are in love. Seems good so far, seems seems pretty decent. Seems like one of their uh, less unstable ones. So that's fine. There was... One other that I could have just quickly bashed out, because I don't think I've got much to say about that one either. I've got to moan like a fucking sieve. It wasn't a remake, was it? Or Rebirth? Oh, yes. Yeah, that was the other one, which we both played, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, yeah Final Fantasy VII Rebirth got a demo. It's the first chapter of the game. It's a couple of hours long. I don't have a huge amount to say about it, other than it sure is more Final Fantasy VII yeah, remake. Yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled about that. I'm, I'm yeah. perfectly happy with that so far, because obviously this will be the test, whether the first one was the subversive brilliance I thought it was <laughs> when it was standalone, or if they're going to fuck it up. Well, we shall see. I the, can't the, wait. This first chapter is very what you expect of Final Fantasy VII. Yes. I will say, I think that starting part two on the the, the Nibbleheim flashback is a really good excuse to redo tutorialising you into the the combat mechanics and have that not feel weird, That's quite good, yeah. Yeah, it's a a reasonable excuse for you to have to go and explain to Cloud how to fight again for a minute. Although the implication by the end of the demo seems to be that 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 section isn't the beginning of the game proper. So if you don't get the demo, you might not get that tutorial. Because at the end of the demo, or, or at some somewhere in it, it says that the save date will be carried over, and you can skip this portion of the game when you get the main game. So certainly a good idea. I just don't know if they've done it on purpose or not. Well, no, um, I'm assuming. I'm assuming what they mean by that is this is chapter one. We're not going to make you replay chapter one. This is the start of the game. Possibly you will just start from past this when because you've done it already. The reason I say possibly is because the demo starts with the present day party at I think the town's called Kaim. Whereas I think the didn't the game end with them not having proper left Midgard yet, like they were just about to set off. So they've got to fill that in. Maybe it'll just be a cutscene and then you skip. They made the attempt to, to, to leave Midgard and then weirdness went on with Sephiroth. I remember that. But like they, they, were, they were heading out on the highway. Yeah, it just would be quite abrupt. But yeah, it could just be a cutscene and then it's like, hey, you played this bit, do you want to... Like, yeah. do you want to knack it off? The demo has a what happened last time video, and I do wonder whether that is just, like, the start of the game and it just goes into chapter one after the, here's what happened before. Yeah. It's a very well-presented little video package, that was. It was like a like a wrestling video package. Nicely done. It did gloss over every time that Cloud wore a dress, and that disappoints me. That disappoints me. That's a me. very important part of the game that people need to know about. They didn't show any of that new character either that they introduced. That like really flamboyant <laughs> guy during the bike chase. I fucking <laughs> love him. And they didn't show any of of, of uh, like Jesse trying to like get on Cloud's D, which was my favourite part <laughs> of that game. I tell you what, I did find hopeful about the demo is. 
if what's happening is what I think is happening and the implication in the first game is that reality is being rewritten at that point, like the Final Fantasy VII canon we know is sort of being altered, at around that time, the thing that gives mm. me hope that they won't fuck it up is that the demo, or at least it's a very nice touch, the demo section is a more or less accurate retelling with no additions, no new real characters. Mm. It's an accurate retelling of the backstory in Final Fantasy VII. Yes. Because there's no continuity breaking or anything at this point. And again, could be accidental, could be reading way too much into it. But if it, if that was on purpose, just to be like, yeah, anything before this timeline is as it was, I find yeah. that interesting. Certainly an interesting coincidence if it wasn't on purpose. Yeah, that's sort of my feeling right now about it. And it, I, I similarly have hope that that's what's going on. Because that would indicate to me that, that they do understand what they're doing here. Yeah. Anything before things change is the same, as obvious as that fucking sounds. Yeah. It just shows to me that they thought about the time fucky-wucky, and that they've got like a sense of continuity. Because a lot of, a lot of shit that comes out of Square Enix is like shit pulled out of their ass with twists and and massive history that comes out of nowhere. All like it just gets so convoluted and complicated. Um, yeah. So that just tells me. Well, it doesn't tell me anything, but it makes me hope that it <laughs> that they have properly thought about this and aren't just going to be doing like wild and, and ridiculous things. Like the one thing I hope they don't do. But we'll yeah. see. That's the one thing I'm very curious about whether they'll do. <laughs> and by the time part two rebirth is done, I suspect we will know. Mm-hmm. I can't wait. I feel like we have to know by then, so I can't it'll be wait. interesting. Like, I say I hope they don't fuck it up. But. <laughs> but. <laughs> I'm winning either way. It would be fucking glorious if they fucked it up. Yeah. It's not like I'm nervous. Like, it's some series I... Like, I love Final Fantasy VII. Like, I grew up with that game. Um, it means a lot to me. It was my first Final Fantasy, and, you know, the first that had been in the UK for so many years. Big deal. But I'm not so precious that the remake, rebirth stuff matters enough to me that it would feel like any desecration, because I'm happy enough to just ignore that. Unlike, you know, some other things I might be more precious about. So I'm just like... I'm anticipating this either way. I'm giddy. That's all I wanted to say. <laughs> I'm just very excited because uh, it's a roll of the dice and the and just the the excitement of finding out. It's like that's what it is. There is something exciting about not knowing with a thing that when the first part came out seemed like it would be full of so few unknowns. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. But yeah, what about you, comrade? You played anything else this week? Um, I yeah, I've, I've played a bunch of stuff. I, some of it, most of it's not worth talking about. If I'm I'm totally honest, I played more like a dragon. Actually, I played Destroy uh, All Humans two reprobed. I finally got around oh, okay. to firing that up. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm I'll probably have some more thoughts on it later because I'm really only in the first third. But it definitely feels like. One of those games that, at the time, being mid was totally fine. It was just totally fine for that to be a mid game. It didn't matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now that it's a mid game and things have changed <laughs> so much, like it's a mid game from the early aughts, not yeah a mid game in 2024. So some of the gameplay doesn't hold up, but it's not offensive either. It's just sort of there. 
and the writing is exactly what it was, <laughs> and the performances are exactly what they were. Yeah. Like, I haven't played it in so long, and yet it's burned in. How it feels to play, like I hear you on, on like, the janky feel, how he sounds the fucking Jack Nicholson impression. Mm-hmm. The, the fucking, the one who sounds like Invader Zim, given the quests. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's all burned in there. And the second one really amps up the crudity of the content like it was sort of lewd a little bit originally but not like this not now that you know your main character has the capability to sexually reproduce Mm. oh all bets are off where that shit's concerned um (coughs) and it's it's not like a constant assault but it's (laughs) it's an assault (laughs) and it and it's frequent I, you know, I'll admit that I'm still laughing at some of it. And to a certain extent, it's I, I really cannot believe we let some of these things just pass or even celebrated them at one point in time. But it could be a lot worse. And they did have the presence of mind to insert a disclaimer saying, hey, this is a product of its time. We didn't change anything. <laughs> you have your own issues with that. But um, it's fine. It's fine. The thing I really would want to talk about briefly before we move on to news, is um, I played a demo for a game called Hard Coded. Mm-hmm. The demo is on Itch. The game itself is in a early access state being developed on a Patreon. And this demo is a couple of years old now. So there's probably been pretty considerable expansion of it. But it's a visual novel that uses a pixel art presentation for all of its characters and so forth. And it's a near-future dystopia, and you portray a character that takes on the name Hard-Coded. They are a droid, a a certain class of droid that is self-aware and develops a personality, and escaped their property owners in the wealthy city that owned them and moved to a slum where they have encountered all manner of other people um this is a porn game yeah (laughs) it is i i i googled it and i want to read steph something off of the the itch page that i think will get them involved get them invested uh triple exclamation marks around this sentence and it's in bold this game is very explicit there are many dicks in this game. Most of them are attached to girls. Yep. So much girl dick. So much girl dick in this game. <laughs> like, I... I, I it's, you it's... had me at girl dick. Yeah. Yeah, I knew that that would, that would seal the deal here. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of girl dick. Why isn't the game called that? Why isn't it called It's a Lot of Girl Dick? Why isn't there a game? Why isn't there, like, an entire media empire called that? It's Sorry, a lot of girl just dick. an idle thought. Well, then, now, now you could start one. That is true. You could you get that could. on a T-shirt, Cotton Red. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's it's very well written. Is is the thing for something that is a pretty tried and true plotline? The the premise is you know like the central mystery problems in this. There's two of them, and I'm sure they're not connected at all. But it deals with your appearance in the slums and being hunted down by a security company and a weird phenomenon that has been happening that... uh, Do you know the the classic Star Trek episode, The Naked Time? 
Uh, it's all a blur to me now is the Star Trek. Okay, well, they, 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 they redid it as the second episode in Star Trek The Next Generation called The Naked Now. Uh, that's how tropey this is. This is right. the everybody on the ship is horny trope. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yes. yes, yes. I know the one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's what this is. There's something making everyone horny. So people be fucking in public. And you just happen upon it. So basically the way the game is structured, it's carried out over days. And a day you wake up in your little apartment. And you can go out into the city and you can explore. There's a pull down that will provide you with options for meeting up with friends that you've made and, and going on dates or just hanging out with them, doing whatever. And then there's also just stuff in the environments. You know, there's a, a few apartment buildings, uh, a few city streets with some alleys that you can go down and find some interesting things. At one point, there's just a tentacle monster hanging out of a drain, and you can go and interact with that tentacle monster. Uh, there are things that you can buy from uh, using coupons that you acquire by engaging in events. And, you know, the things you can spend money on are cosmetics for your character, and there seem to be a lot of them, and there are multiple stores that all update daily with different cosmetics to make your droid character in different styles there's a there's a specifically goth store uh there's a standard attire type place there's just a furniture for your house just stuff you can buy there is a a a sex toy you can buy which is just a pair of portals and i don't know why that's never crossed my mind is it not? It's never crossed my mind to just huh. have a... Well, okay, I'm sorry. The manner in which they choose to execute it had never crossed my mind. It never crossed my mind to use portals in a solo play situation. Ah, uh, you see, I've I've seen drawings. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I, and now I have as well. Yeah. <laughs> delightful. Absolutely delightful. It's smutty. The writing is very graphic, but it it falls within that line of erotically graphic. Not it's it's not destroy all humans too. It's not crude for the sake of being crude. It's illustrating something that is erotic, and I think that's really well executed in this type of game. You don't always see it. There's a a tendency for lasciviousness for lasciviousness's sake. Uh, in these games a lot of yeah. times and and here there is you know the the everybody's feeling horny because of some phenomenon thing all right fine you know some of that can be dismissed but the the character development and and relationships that grow between the people here it all informs that sexual activity and earns it uh which is is cool it's a pretty neat little demo there's it's it's chunky for what's in that demo Based on my estimates, and I haven't done all of the content, you can get close to 20 days of content. A couple hours, probably, out of that demo. And if you want the Patreon version that's still in development, it's only a dollar on their site, or on their Patreon, to get that. I would actually encourage people to check this demo out if you are at all interested in erotic fiction in video games. Particularly if if you're interested in um, trans love and non-binary representation and and all of that it's there's really a lot there Mm hard-coded but that's it that's it for me i went on too long 
No, not at all. No, you talking about like girl day. You're taking too long. You're all right, though. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, should we quickly go through a couple of bits of news? Let's do it. So I'm going to quickly address this one because there's no actual news for us to talk about right now. But if we don't talk about it here, people are going to spend all week going, why didn't you talk about the biggest piece of news of the week? Because of how the gap works between us recording and us publishing. We are recording this one day ahead of some news happening, which is, you know, we talked last week about how there are rumours abound of... Xbox games suddenly going multi-platform, left, right, and center. Finally, there was some acknowledgement of it from Xbox. Um, They are posting some kind of discussion, business event. Let's explain to you what the fuck's going on the day after we record. It'll be going up like two hours after the episode goes up, give or take. Give or take. Um, So here's what we do know. According to reporting by The Verge, uh, it seems like Hi-Fi Rush and Pentiment, which is that sort of side-scrolling medieval-looking art game by Obsidian, Mm -hmm. are going to be the first titles to go multi-platform. Probably by the time you hear this, they might have already been announced. Uh, Sea of Thieves later this year. Everything else, we're just going to have to wait to hear what the scope of, of those plans is directly from Xbox. I bring this up purely because I know otherwise people are going to go, why aren't you talking about whatever they said about whatever they're doing? So we at this moment don't know how widespread those plans are, but we'll see them soon. Did we get the announcement of a Nintendo Direct? Uh, It hasn't been announced yet, but again, as of time of recording, Nintendo usually announces them 24 hours in advance. We are recording about two hours before it seems like it's probably going to get announced. If nothing else... Um, there was a trailer for Princess Peach Showtime that leaked earlier today okay. that like very clearly seems to be okay, yeah, that direct's happening. So it all it's all lining up as we sort of expected it to. Um but the recording times just don't line up. One thing we can talk a bit more specifically about though, um here here's a headline. Unions called for strikes at Ubisoft Studios in France to protest wages. We cannot tolerate being treated as expendable to mitigate their bad decisions. Uh, This this comes from from PC Gamer. It's almost like problems at Ubisoft haven't gone away yet. Good. Good. I mean, well, not good that the problems haven't gone away. Good that the things happening about it. Yeah. And and nobody protests like the French. So. (laughs) Indeed. So yeah, so reading reading from PC Gamer, labor unions in France are calling for a one-day strike by Ubisoft employees because they say they're being sort of given low-ball wage increases aimed at offsetting management failures. Le syndicat de travelers et travelleuses de jeux vidéo, the video game workers union, said that during a mandatory annual negotiation, Ubisoft offers raises that were lower than the rate of inflation for the second year in a row, despite reporting excellent second quarter results well above our expectations. Apparently, the lower than expected wage offer was made in order to hit arbitrary cost reduction targets. Mm. And I want to read this quote from the union because I think it fucking hits the nail on the head. A company that still makes a profit, even when its execs have failed repeatedly, Choosing to have its employees pay to uh, pay to increase its profits is plainly unacceptable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, no disagreement here. I would really love, and this is just me, you know, f- fantasizing, but I would love to see some solidarity between 
the workers at Ubisoft and the farmers that are currently protesting in in oh, France. Oh, the ones pouring shit through through doorways. Well, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. I would really love to see them come along because <laughs> I know they've got the manure. Uh, they've they've got plenty of manure to spare. Yeah, it seems. spray it all over Ubisoft. <laughs> yes. So uh, I believe this pro uh, this uh, this uh, uh, protest is happening the 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 day we're we're recording. So more power to the people walking walking out and not you know letting Ubisoft management fuck over the average everyday employee. Fuck Ubisoft management. Ubisoft's executive class can't make games. They don't know how to do it. So, yeah, we had a couple more stories about Microsoft this week, uh, and this goes into us having layoff stories, because of course we do. Um, Toys for Bob, they're the Activision Blizzard studio that did stuff like the Crash Bandicoot and Spyro Mm -hmm. remake stuff, has lost 86 employees as a result of layoffs. Mm -hmm. A a couple of weeks ago, there were estimates that there were going to be layoffs, and the estimates were that it was going to be like 35 people, and it's more than double the number of people expected. Their physical office is being closed down. There were initially people thinking that the the studio had been closed down entirely. It seems they're moving to remote work only. But more Activision Blizzard post-acquisition by Microsoft layoffs. And I bring this up, not just because it's important to talk about the constant fucking stream of layoffs happening right now, but because it's connected to another story. Do you remember when Microsoft was trying to buy Activision Blizzard King and they had to make a bunch of promises to the Federal Trade Commission about what would or would not happen, you know, in terms of antitrust if they were allowed to acquire ABK? Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the things that they did is they they sort of really suggested to the FTC that uh, Activision Blizzard King would sort of be structured and operated in it as its own separate entity from Microsoft. Uh, post-acquisition, and therefore, you know, Microsoft wouldn't be able to do things like decide that layoffs should happen there, because it would be being run as its own separate company. Activision Blizzard King would have to be deciding layoffs and things. The FTC doesn't like that Microsoft has been making the decision to lay off a bunch of Activision Blizzard King people. They actively feel like it is a misrepresentation of what they said in court about how the merger would go ahead. Well, these are the motherfuckers who were willing to believe that it was possible that Microsoft wouldn't do this. I mean, I'm sorry. I kind of hold you in a little bit of contempt, FTC. This could have been prevented. Yes, but it does mean a federal agency is upset at Microsoft right now over layoffs. And this might be the only place in the games industry where the fact that layoffs are happening might actually maybe get someone in trouble. Reading from the FTC's counsel, Imad D. Abayad, Microsoft represented to this court that the post-merger company will be structured and operated in a way that would readily enable Microsoft to divest any or all of the Activision business as robust marketplace participants in the unlikely event that such a divesture is ordered. Basically, you'd keep it all as one thing, that like if we l- decide that like you shouldn't have been able to do the merger, you can still separate from it, like it, it, that you're separate entities. They go into some specifics of promises Microsoft made that, like, the pre-merger status quo would be kept by keeping them separate, and the FTC is breathing down their neck a bit now about this. Don't know whether anything will come of that, but it is worth noting there is at least one agency going, those layoffs might be a problem. Ah, well, good. That'll... 
<laughs> I have. I, I don't know. Something might happen to someone. Y- yeah, hopefully. I, I. Who knows? With the with the deal having been done, I kind of feel like this is pretty toothless. Um, this is them yeah, shaking agreed. their fist and and um, you know, like, oh, don't do that, don't fire people. But yeah, you're right. The FTC is, and I think the world at large, outside of people in the games industry or people who report on the games industry, I consume a fair bit of news outside of here. In fact, I don't consume much gaming news at all, and I do not hear people Mm. talking much about the layoffs in the games industry outside of those people. Yeah, that is games industry news. It doesn't matter that it's huge corporation news. It's like, oh, it's video games. It's the biggest entertainment medium commercially that exists presently. Agreed. But there's no attention outside of our narrow focus, which is is what's going to be necessary if anybody is going to be made to care about it as a labor issue. Agreed. But so it goes. Yeah, and the last one, quickly talking about, like, you know, labour issues and people not getting paid properly for labour. Um, Conrad, I don't know if this is going to be a particularly... a thing you will know. Oh, I'm very familiar with this voice. Oh, yeah, you you know this oh, voice? Oh, yes, I've had to insert this voice into trailers <laughs> for, for games to be published. Ah, uh, yes. yes. That's fair, yes. So, many of you who were uh, in the European side of things will probably know... Sometimes a video game will have an age rating, and a trailer will announce that age rating by going Peggy 18, uh, usually, it's is the way it goes. Yeah. The man who recorded all of those, like, Peggy uh, voice lines that you will have drilled into your head, he started making videos on TikTok. He, he seems fairly pleasant, he's been making interesting content, but he recently talked about recording the Peggy age rating lines that have been used for years uh, across the industry. Mm-hmm. Steph, I don't know if you've read this story. I... <laughs> Do you know how much he was paid for this? Uh, if I recall correctly, it was 200 euros? Yep, 200 euros. About 170 pounds is all that he has ever made. I mean, for... Wow. Wow. Yeah, I mean, this, is, I mean, this isn't like a royalty gig. Nobody is, that's the thing. is oh. selling, you know, product on the basis of this voice work, except it is weird. It is strange yeah, to think that's it. that these kinds of things that have been so permeated in the culture, they're, they're everywhere, but they were just little contract gigs, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you turn up, you say two words. And get that much. Well, no, he he said like he said like eight words. He had to say Peggy with an age a few times. No, you know, Peggy twelve, That's Peggy true. sixteen. But unless they had him in there for takes and takes and takes, that is pretty good. Yeah, it's like good money. Someone who's done like yeah. voice acting gigs, writing gigs, yeah. like freelance stuff. That money for that time, not fucking bad. However, we are used to royalties residuals, someone's like likeness or voice or, or something like that being used that much. We are used to, as you said, like, it's weird because yeah. we are, you hear that, you expect, well, that's an iconic thing. It's in all those trailers. It's got to have been more than that because it, it feels like a bigger deal than, like you said, it was at the time. Yeah. Yeah, incredible. I'm still it's... finding it hard to believe. I'm still in a wow phase, even though I understand that it was not a bad gig. No, pretty good gig. 
Yeah. It can simultaneously have been, in the moment, a good gig, and also a baffling indictment on the state of what people make versus how much value is extracted from that. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. That's a great way of putting it. And it's well, yeah, and, and, because... and, and it's also value extracted by a like a third party that isn't actually involved in any sort of creative process. It, they're bureaucrats. Yeah, it's fascinating. Their business does require that voice file. It is how they make money in some ways, but does it have value? N- n- no, <laughs> it's so weird. Oh, I love it's, it. Yeah. Yeah. It is it is a fascinating, weird little thing. We've heard of like voice actors. Obviously there was the, the whole bayonetta thing, which mm. was a whole mess. But we had yeah. more that I've talked about during that whole thing. We like the voice actor for Grand Theft Auto Four, who voiced mm-hmm. uh, Nico, mm-hmm. not getting any royalties. Um same with GTA five. Like I- iconic voices that made the characters and are baked into that game. You can replace Peggy 18. Yep. Like, Conrad would do a great Peggy 18. Peggy 18. See? Perfect. Now, as the, you know, rights holder of this podcast... I'll take my 175 uh, pounds. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Yeah, that's that's it. We we, we done them. We 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 done done the stories, I think. We done the stories. Uh, in in Balamori. Um <laughs> well people will want Balamori of your content <laughs> of your content, Laura. Could you could you tell us Balamori about it? I did the same joke again. It was fine. It's fine you that did. I did that. It was it was I fine acknowledged that, you did that, that I did wrong, but I'm not or... sorry. Yeah. You're you're faultless in this. It's mm. all good. Um, you can find the stuff I do at Laura K. Buzz pretty much everywhere. Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, TikTok, Blue Sky, Mastodon, all of the places. Uh, Patreon, Laura K. Buzz on Patreon. That is the best place to support the stuff that I do. As little as a dollar a month over there means that I can keep doing the stuff I do. Um, yeah, Laura K. Buzz, you'll, you'll find all, all that stuff. What about you, Conrad? Oh, you could find me at Conrad Zimmerman on Instagram and Blue Sky. You can hang out with me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash thatconradzimmerman. You can buy anti-capitalist propaganda from me at mercenarycreative.com. I got a new You Wouldn't Train an AI Model sticker uh, that you can grab. I might put that on a shirt. I think that might make a good shirt. And we're cooking up some new Jimquisition uh, merch soon, so go check that out. Yeah, and everything I do online gets supported at uh, patreon.com slash fistshark. And you know who else has a Patreon? It's Stephanie Sterling. Oh, yeah, yeah, patreon.com slash jimquisition. Um, yep, yeah, that supports this show and obviously the Jimquisition and the reviews that are on thejimquisition.com. And we've got a review of uh, Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League on there. Um, might be out of wrestling for a couple months, we'll see. Um, I'm taking a bit of time, rehab that fucking shoulder, shoulders, uh, should I say at this point. Um, but we'll be back. Um, I'm hoping to be back in March for hopefully PCW, but we'll see. Because I did forget to mention at the beginning that um, we did smack into a lamppost. Oh, we rolled no. down a hill in the snow and oh, the no. brakes wouldn't oh, work. Yes. We yeah. knocked a lamppost over. It jobbed for us, bumped like it took the finger <laughs> poke of doom. I want to book it for Spectrum. <laughs> sort of terrifying. Yeah. Fucked the car, so I didn't make my last uh, PCW booking. So I, I hope I'm not in trouble. I mean, he knew that the 
you know, what had happened, so... I don't think anyone's gonna get you in trouble for you You fucking were in a road collision. One hopes. Um, Flutter's a reasonable man. Uh, plus, I've got a real treat for Blackpool coming up. I, God, I can't wait for it. But that will have to wait, so we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.